What's good? Okay, it's the Troy and Matt show, and on this episode, we're going to go ahead and talk about Troy's life, Mm -hmm. because we went through my whole life story, we talked about me being a trainer, Mm -hmm. me chasing my passion, all that fun stuff, and for this one, we're just going to get to know Troy a little bit more, or a lot more, pretty much. Very intimate. Because after you listen to this, you're going to be like... Well, I should probably start getting to know my friends a little bit better if I just learned this much about Troy in one hour. Honestly. Um, so, basics, basics, before we get into it, tell us where you're from, mm-hmm. tell us your high school, college, where you are now, parents, single, divorce, happily married, whatever, kind of go through like the basics right now right. and get us started on the right foot. And well... Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. Um, So as of right now, so uh, where did I go to school? Or let's start with me as of right now. Right now, I'm 21. I'm about to turn 22. I'm living in the Heights, great area to live in Houston. Um, I live, I have an amazing male roommate. Uh, He's also my coworker. I'm in a relationship. I um, am... Just trying to figure out my life a little bit. I uh, just got done with my EMT certification, so there's that to look forward to. Um, but as of like my background, um, I grew up in Houston for the most part. Uh, I'm actually from Deer Park, Texas, which is front, which is like this terrible, terrible place on the map to be from. It's like right next to the port, right where like I guess you start to pass into Pasadena, but it's a little bit after Pasadena. And so it's like in the heart of absolutely no vegetables anywhere in sight and just like a shit ton of air pollution. So yeah, I grew up there. Um, Well, I am from there. Went to elementary out there. Uh, Went to Deer Park Elementary. It was a bad, bad place. My parents actually moved for a whole bunch of reasons because they got divorced. Um, But we moved to Houston because... I had some developmental, not issues, but just like, I was a very different kind of kid. I was very, very tomboy. My parents thought I was like transgender at one point. They're like, oh my God, what are we going to do? And then they're also like very hippies. So they didn't really like the conservative aspect of living out there in Deer Park. So we moved here. I went to elementary again. I didn't go to school for, from like first grade to like I want to say from like six to 10 or 12, what 10 or 11, I would say 10 or 11. And then I went back into school um, when I was into fourth grade. I should yeah, have been homeschooled or what you do? I was kind of homeschooled, wasn't kind of, kind like, a of little bit. like, I mean, we didn't ever have anything structured. We had kind of like these like hippie daycares. My parents would like just drop us off at, and then they would like go live their life and go to work and, we would just sit there in a house with like a whole bunch of other kids, just like playing games all day. Um, it was actually a really toxic environment. So I don't recommend you ever do that to your children. <laughs> um, so yeah, and I went to like three of those schools and like those like alternative learning schools or whatever. And then which you learned absolutely nothing. I didn't learn how to read until I was 13 because of that type of like academic environment. Um and then, yeah, and then I went to school again. It was, it was, I struggled really hard in the early years in school. Um, and I went to a Montessori program where that allowed me to kind of catch up and like with my learning disabilities that I had kind of. Well, do you, attained. would you say disability or I'm just dyslexic. like, 
Okay. Yeah. So I didn't know that. Yeah. So good to know. Yeah. I'm dyslexic and I had like no social skills. I had not been around kids. Which is obviously age. still the case. Right. Exactly. Weird, weird because I'm, I'm a just kidding. fucking loser. And, <laughs> you suck. Exactly. And so, um, yeah, I did that. And then I got, I went into not traditional schooling once more. Um, Montessori program up until I was in sixth grade and that was at an elementary school uh, in Oak Forest which is like not far from the heights and it's Oak Forest Elementary and then I went to Clifton Middle School which was like a traditional like block schedule schooling very new to me had no idea. Were you just like what is going on with this? It was a total culture shock it was it it was. This for regular school you just this is weird. For regular school and on top of that it was it's it was really ghetto and it was an inner city school and I had gone to like an all-white school before then where like they had ESL there but they those kids were like over there like they didn't interact with us at all they were very isolated from us so I had like no type of and like also growing up Hispanic like I wasn't really like raised like with any type of like Hispanic culture around me because my parents were like very distant from their family so it was just like us me and my parents and my sister um mom remarried and that was cool. I really love my stepdad. He's a great man. Um, my dad was engaged a few times and now is remarried. And that kind of happened like middle school era. And then once I got into middle school, I was actually bullied really badly all throughout school up until I got into middle school. And then once I was in middle school, I kind of like developed myself and like, I was like, okay, I found my crowd, found my social footing. And so it was really, I started to enjoy school a lot more. And then I got into sports once I was I would go into sports when I was like in fifth grade, but I didn't really do them. I would just did them, you know, like recreationally, but I didn't start doing them competitively until I was like in seventh grade and I started going to competitions and I was just like fucking breaking all these records in track and in like volleyball and in basketball for like most amount of uh, like uh, three point shots and like uh, layups and stuff like that in my district. And then I, like, won another thing for, like, hurdles and sprints and stuff like that. And, like, uh, we didn't do a long jump. That was in high school. But anyway, and then I went into high school. Uh, this one uh, school that was also, it's kind of, like, the sister school to the middle school I went to. Like, the one that you go to if you go to that school. It's called Waltrip. Went there for a year. I went there and I tried to play soccer there. And then I realized I wasn't going to get a scholarship if I stayed there because it was a terrible team. And then I uh, went ahead and transferred schools because I played against this team from the school called Reagan, which is here in the Heights. And I was like, oh, damn, like it's in my area. And these girls are really, really good. And I'm going to go play there. So I transferred schools and went there. And then I graduated from that school and got a um, soccer scholarship to a HBCU school in Austin, Texas called Houston Tillerson. It's a very tiny school, really, really cool school. Really like it's in the heart of Austin. It's on sixth street. So it was a really fun experience being there. Ended up dropping out even though, and it was kind of, I felt so ashamed after I dropped out because I was like, wow, like I had like the perfect like college dream. I was like, had great roommates. I was like treated really well because I was an athlete uh, got like special privileges and stuff like that. Uh, was going to school on a full ride, and I was, but I totally just was like, "Fuck this! I don't want to do this anymore." And I stopped. And okay, now I'm and here. I'm kind of. Thanks for all that. We're gonna cover <laughs> from college uh-huh. until where you are now. Mm-hmm. 
Um, one of the things that we, I guess, didn't cover, mm-hmm. but you are gay, so mm-hmm. that's one of the things. Oh, yes. So, big part of my life. With that, I have one of my very best friends in the world is gay, and I know that was like a not much of a segue, but it's Abrupt, like, hey, but hey that's not we're really... set up, we finished going yeah. through Troy's life, now let's jump into this, mm-hmm. because it's top of the list. Right. And... When my best friend told me when we were like 18, mm-hmm. he's like, what did he say? He's like, I like the XY chromosome. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> he said that in like a text. <laughs> did you know like, exactly what that meant? I was like, wait, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's guys. Let me double check. I like pulled it up. I'm like, uh-huh. oh, okay. Yeah, that's what it is. Okay. <laughs> he's gay. I'm pretty sure I knew that, but thanks mm-hmm. for like telling me. That's like a really nice indirect way to say it. Yeah. X-Y yeah. 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 What the fuck? I would be like, okay. Like, what the fuck does that mean? But X-Y? for you, for you, uh-huh. when did you actually like come out and start telling people about it? Uh, probably not until high school. Um, I knew. So, like, like I had mentioned earlier, my parents thought I was, like, transgender when I was a little kid because I all I did was dress up as a boy, and I told them I wanted to be a boy, and I would, like, pray to God at night, like, being like, oh, please, like, give me a dick, like, straight what? up. I would be like, give me a penis, God. And just I was straight just up, like... At what age was this? This was, like, at six years old. This six, was, at like... At six, you're like, I think I... that You just wanted to be, like, a guy? I just wanted to be a dude. And, like, that was, that was like, my biggest dream. That was the one thing where I was like, yes, yes, yes. And I like, like how come? So... Like, describe what that feels like for a six year old. Cause there's a lot of people in this world that are like, you are what you are and you're born a woman. That's what you are. There's right. something there's, that's going to be tough to change that. Right. And I... anybody's opinion on like how they feel about yeah. the whole you are what you are thing. And I think that that's kind of like, that's one of those things where like, if you, if you are that way, if you are like, you are what you are and don't try to change it. Those are people who are either extremely, they're like overly comfortable with who, with like that type of statement because like they might have experienced like some sort of like oppression indirectly or directly and, and, or they are really uncomfortable with like the world around them. And you know, that is not anyone else's problem, but their own. So but for people like that, like, honestly, a, a huge portion of it is just lack of education amongst, like, or exposure amongst, like, the LGBT community or just, like, emotional intelligence. And that's not necessarily always our fault. You know, it's, we're, like, a, we're a product of our environment. Yeah, because so, one of the things that has helped me mm-hmm. be become a very open-minded person, because mm-hmm. I used to not be, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it was, like, a you-are-what-you-are type of person or anti-gay or any of that, mm-hmm. but I I wouldn't say I'm as open-minded as I am today. Right. Let's say when I'm like in high school, mm-hmm. maybe early college, as I started getting to the end of college, get out of college, you just start meeting different friends, you're exposed to different environments, different people, mm-hmm. and I would always just try and pick people's brains, I would try and do conversations like this, and... Um, like very curious just yeah like just curious about is. how everyone works mm-hmm. and um, that's always just been something i re- was always just inherently interested in yeah i mean so a lot of people though don't take the time to have those conversations because it's like oh well if i talk to her 
about wanting to be a guy when she was six, it's going to be a weird conversation. Yeah. I've never talked about this before, and it's going to be awkward. Yeah, I think people are, so, are weird about being of being quote unquote like offensive. Like, there's a difference between being curious and then being offensive. You know, like if you're genuinely curious, and, and there is a time and place. Like, there are people within the LGBTQ LGBTQ community that are or like oh, I call like shame hounds. They like if there's any type of ignorance that's out there like at all even if it's like indirect like they don't mean it like just have like a poor way of like asking a question or something like that like like for example this one time uh it was me and this other like lesbian right and we were like talking about like our girlfriends or like chicks or something and she was a little bit more like dykier and butchy than I am like I'm not very I'm not at all as tomboy as I used to be I'm also not extremely feminine either like, I don't wear heels and shit, but, you know, like, I'm, I, like, look like a girl, you know, and uh, her not as much. And so there's one guy, and he was, like, well, and he, like, heard us over, he heard us talking about, like, our relationship dynamics with our girlfriends and, or whatever, and he jumped in, and he was, like, well, like, so in that type of, you know, dynamic, like, who is the boy? And she got so fucking mad, and she was, like, that's the point, is that there's no fucking boy, you dumbass. And she just, like, popped off. And I was, like, yo, chill out. He doesn't know. Like, he just doesn't know. And in that situation, it was more of, like, ignorance is bliss. Like, he just truly didn't know how to ask that question. But if he would have been, like, what what do you faggots think? You know, or, like, some shit like that. I would have been, like, okay, yeah, fuck you. You're ignorant. Whatever. But, um... You know, like, I don't really believe in shaming people. And I think those types of, like, if someone were to ask it and it would still be considered offensive, like, I'm going to answer. I'm going to try to educate rather than shame you because, I mean, that just creates more hostility. Like, and I've been, like, hated on for being gay. And, like, there's been, I've definitely had, like, like what people would consider hate crimes, like, against me and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, like, we all get bullied. Like, I've experienced bullied bullying outside of that that's like has nothing to do with me being gay too and so like we all struggle with shit so whatever but um I guess I I um figured that out when I was probably like in seventh grade so I must have been I was I'm, I was figured always what out? behind that I was gay yeah and I was actually at camp and I was a camp counselor in training and we got it was the first time I ever got drunk and I was like maybe 14 and so we got drunk and this one girl just, she was like bullying me. She was just bullying me. She didn't like me, whatever. She hated me because I was like funny and like the dudes wanted to hang out with me more than they wanted to hang out with her. And so she was just like, she got really upset with me because like made like a dick joke and she just like called me out. She was like, I think you're a closet lesbian and that's why you make all these dick jokes. And I was like, I've only made one dick jokes. Thank you very much. And like, whatever. And I remember when she said that, like no one had ever called me that before. Like, oh, what a lesbian. So I was just like, what? And I got super upset and I popped off on her and I was like, fuck you, you bitch. And I like, and I was also drunk. And so I like popped off on her and like, I was like, I'm going to fight you. Like, come here. We're going to fight. Like, don't you ever call me that. And I thought it was so offensive. And then one of my friends was like, why was that such a big deal to you? Like, she just called you gay. Like, it's not a big deal. And I was yeah, like, we're 14. Like, yeah, who cares? exactly. I was like, what? Okay. And also, Oh, hi, Matthew. Oh, damn. We're playing over here. And um, and so, uh, yeah, it was one of those things where it, it was actually a really hard thing for me to come to terms with because um, at that time, when I was 14, I'm 22 now, 
being gay was still very much like a big stigma. Like it's way like in the past few years, it's been like totally looked at differently. There's been way more media representation, but being that young and being like, Oh yeah, I'm gay was not an option for me, especially like my parents were supportive, but the environment I was in was like very hood, like very like not that way, not open. Yeah, Very like play your role. If yeah. you're a girl, do this. If you're a guy, do this. Exactly. Exactly. But in middle schools, middle school's weird, man, because it's one of those times where I feel like everyone's like, oh, yeah, I'm bisexual. And it's like this very over-sexualized point in your life because everyone's just like discovering sex. And they're like, oh, wow, sex this and sex that. And what about this? And like some kids will be having a lot of it. Some kids wait. And like like you, I, like I, I was around a lot of people that were like having sex really young and like experimenting with that. And I also was around a lot of girls that were that called themselves bisexual and like dated other girls. But like in reality, they might have not been. It was just kind of like a phase. Like It really, truly was just like a fad. Not a phase, but it was cool. So they were like, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll do that. And so I really struggled with it up until maybe like my, until I was like 15 or 16. And then right when, once I turned like, I think when I was like 15, um, I was really depressed. I, I got really depressed about it. And I told my dad like, oh yeah, like, I'm gay and like I hate myself and this is not and he got really concerned for me as they started making me go to a like youth group kind of thing for LGBT people and I was thought it was the dumbest fucking thing ever I was like fuck you dad you don't know shit and he but he knew he couldn't help me so he started making me go to that and I really hated him for it but now looking back like that's probably the nicest thing anyone's ever done for me because that gave me a sense of community. And I think amongst like young gay people, that's what you need. You need community in order to like know that you're not fucked up and that like you're not, you know, a spawn of Satan, you know? So I went there and I actually met my first girlfriend through that. And then I, it's weird. Like sometimes I still struggle with like my sexuality and sometimes I'm like, oh, am I even gay? You know, whatever this and whatever that. Because as I've gotten older, sexuality has just become so much more fluid, like for me at least. Because you're like, oh, this guy is super attractive. Or yeah, like- yeah, yeah. And like, I've I've been with men, I've had boyfriends, and like, even when I did like label myself, like I still do label myself as gay. But like, when I was like solid, like I would never be with a dude kind of shit. I was like very much like anti like dick, like all the way. I still like would be like, okay, whatever. When I was drunk and like hook up with a dude, and like it wasn't a big deal to me. And I know I would get shamed a lot like for that by like other lesbians like within my circle they're like you're not even gay like this this, and that and I'm I'm called what's like like my the way I look is called like passing so I can pass as like straight and the uh, like amongst like just regular hetero people and like they a lot of people don't know I'm gay just by like talking to me or looking at me and like they think that like oh like I'm married or like I have like a child or like you know like I get that a lot like oh like are you married or do you have a kid or like who's your boyfriend you know whatever. So it's a consistent kind of like, not struggle, just kind of like a identity discovery in a way. Is this ongoing? Oh yeah, totally ongoing. Like this, so this like relationship that I'm in right now has actually allowed me to kind of discover that a lot or be not experiment, but like be way more open to it because she actually isn't like she had never been with a girl before she had been with me and I wasn't looking for a relationship but she was like very we just pursued each other and it was just like this gravity you know we just like came together and we were like oh wow like you're pretty cool and I was actually thinking about like not dating women anymore and like just starting to date only men 
for a little while for like just like a year or so just, just because you're just, like hey let me try it out yeah so like, it's, um... yeah i was just like whatever like i haven't ever really been in a relationship with a man and like it's kind of something that i was like a little curious about and nothing that like like i knew i could live without it but it was something that i was like oh okay like you know i'll, I'll give it a shot but then like right when i started to feel like that i met her and then i was like oh okay cool and like wow and when you're like oh, I guess I'm just lesbian, or you still have, like, oh, wait, I don't know about this whole guy thing, or is it just super back and forth all the time? This um, is coming from a straight dude. And, right. Who just, I don't know, that's pretty new, you know? Yeah, I mean, And for it's... most straight guys, especially mm-hmm. guys, mm-hmm. I don't know what, what girls are thinking about this whole, <laughs> this whole situation. <laughs> right. But uh, a lot of this is just very foreign. Yeah, and I think that that's because... Um, you know, like men are raised very differently from men, from women. Like at least like our generation is kind of like changing that a little bit, I think. Like that stigma is not as much. And so when I don't know, like when we got together, she's very like she's very sexually open and she's very like she's also like she has this like kind of thing about her where she just is like very comfortable in her sexuality. And mm-hmm. a lot of girls, like a lot of people, straight, gay, whatever, and any of their shit are not always super comfortable. Like they're not very comfortable experimenting with sex or they're not very comfortable like being open about it or talking about it or, you know, whatever. And when we met, I just felt like it was like I was talking to my friend, not my girlfriend. And we just talked so much about like our experiences and about like, well, yeah, like I had this sexual experience or I had that sexual experience and her talking to me about it kind of gave me this like new lens. Like, Oh wow. Like I kind of always felt like I demonized myself forever. Like even feeling slight attraction towards men. Cause I always have felt like a little bit, but um, I mean, to be real, I would never marry a man. I will never like be like, Oh yeah, I want a full commitment. But like, and like have a family and yeah, kids, like that's just, that's not it. That's not at all. It's something I'm interested in. And like, maybe I could make myself believe that, but I would end up cheating on him with the woman. Like, it's not like, it's, it's not, it's not cool. But I mean, I told her before, like, you know, I wonder if I'm even gay, you know, she's like, well, that's okay. You know, like, I don't really consider myself gay or anything. Like, She's called herself, like, gay a couple times, but, like, just because I think that we're dating, you know? And so it's still, like, in the works, but I found myself being way more comfortable with, like, just me feeling the way I feel. And that's that's a new that's a new thing. And I think that – and I've always just been, in general, very interested in sex and, like, very interested in just how people interact with that, like, what that's about. I've always been very comfortable, like, you know – like in my sexual acts or whatever. So it's been a bit of a process, but as I've gotten older, I definitely have realized that there's nothing to be ashamed of. And like, I'm really okay with the path that it's taken. And I'm like, life is beautiful and I don't care, whatever. It's a good setup. Perfect. And then the next uh, topic that I kind of wanted to talk about was uh, wondering if you have any like early childhood memories that have kind of like shaped who you are today or do you have anything that you look back on let's say from like five to ten or five to twelve just really mm-hmm. young but anything that you have that you went through at that point in time mm-hmm. and you're like oh this is a direct reason of why i feel this way or view things this way or have a certain opinion on this right is is it to have to be like is it positive or negative Can either it be, way and just either way i mean since we have such 
I mean, we have plenty of memories from back in the day, but only so so many of them are very clear. So any of any of those memories that just stick into your head a little bit clearly, a little bit more clearly than others. So I'll do the positive one and then the negative ones. But positively um, speaking, I think one of the really the things that I held closest to to me or hold closest to me about my childhood or anything like that. It was that my parents always really like allowed me to do me. They always let me dress how I wanted to dress, talk to how I wanted to talk. Like I cussed a lot from an early age and I think that was me dealing with like trauma or whatever. Like, I don't know, but they always let me be kind of like radical, just kind of me doing me unapologetically and they supported me a lot through my different likings like I was always back and forth with like oh I like sports or I want to do art or like I want to do this and I want to do that and they were always extremely supportive over those things and so and they always like wanted to listen to what I had to say so I could always sit down with my parents and be like and tell them about like what was going on with me and be like oh yeah like I'm feeling like this Or, like, uh, this happened to me and I don't know how to feel about it. Or, like, tell them good news or just, like, share things. I remember being very open with my family. Even when I didn't think it was a good idea, like, I still decided to do it, even if I knew I was going to get in trouble for it. Because um, I just always felt like it was really important. And I we had that type of dialogue in both of my households, which I was really happy about. Um, My dad more so. And I remember actually... Uh, really late at night sometimes I would be like overthinking I'm a big overthinker and I've always have been and my dad was always stays up really late like he has sleeping issues so he uh, was always on his computer and I would always just kind of walk in like whether it be a school night or a weekend whatever anytime and if I was really struggling with something or had a big thought I would be like oh hey dad like can we talk and he would stop whatever he was doing no matter how important it was or how, like, how early he needed to get up. And he would just talk with me about it. He would just sit there and listen to me and talk to me. And we would get really deep and we would talk for hours. So do you think the those types of talks that you had with your dad back mm-hmm. in the day at a young age, does that kind of shape how you interact with people on a day-to-day basis now? That kind of, like, started flexing that muscle at an early age? Or mm-hmm. do you think you just were, like, going to be like that anyways? So, for example... What if you're talking to your dad and you're seven and you're like, dad, I have all these super strange feelings. I don't act like other kids. I mm-hmm. feel different, whatever. And he's just like, that's not a big deal. I don't care. I have to watch the game. And he goes back and does that. Right. Then in that situation, do you feel like if it was like that, you would have ended up different or you think you're on the certain path and you would have been the super open Troy that you are regardless of any influence? Uh, yeah, I think that um, if it would have been like that, if my dad would have been more closed off and like more concerned with like typical dad shit, then uh, I think it definitely would have really like changed me. I think I probably would have developed a lot more daddy issues um, over it. And then like, you know, probably just like not like myself as much, think I was weird or whatever. And I already struggle with that as is. So I can't even imagine myself being like thinking I'm a literal piece of shit. So that would be tough. But it definitely influenced me to be very open, like to for me to also try and do the same for others, like or checking with people be like, oh, hey, like, 
I've noticed that you've been acting like this. Like, would you like to talk about it? Yeah, because you can kind of see the mm-hmm. direct benefit. Mm-hmm. When you're feeling a certain way, you feel bad, you feel weird, you feel off or different, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And having that encouragement to just express your feelings and seeing how great that feels mm-hmm. at such a young age, then you're only that much more inclined to maybe do that with others because somebody comes to you and has the, has the issues. And in your head, you're like, wow, I can see myself being that same person yeah. going to someone else. And I'm going to make sure I let them get whatever it is off their chest Mm -hmm. because I know after this conversation, it's going to help them so much. Yes. I think that that, that that was a huge deal is that like, I even asked my dad, I was like, dad, like, why are you doing this? You know, like you have to be at work early. Like I'm not going to stop talking because like I got to talk about it, but like, you know, like what always like every time I ask you, you're doing it. Anytime I call you, you're like there and you listen and he just told me, he was like, well, I just think that if for your children, especially, or for your loved ones, if you don't do that, then there's no direct dialogue, you know, like you can being not being there for each other for like little shit is already stressful and hard. But if you're not there for people on the big stuff, you know, then there's not going to be a relationship there at all. Like there's nothing to salvage. There's nothing to look for. There's no reason to talk to each other. And you know, so that always left a huge mark on me on just to with people like one conversation can make a huge fucking difference and like their development or like their emotional status. And now when my friends or family or even just a rando, like I, I have a lot of people like because I'm so open, I think people just randomly are attracted to that at points and they want to sit down with me. I've had all the time, like I'll just be at a coffee shop by myself and people will come down and be like, Oh, Hey, like, can you help me with something? And then like, they'll tell me about this and I'll just like, listen, or like, we'll start getting into a conversation about this, this or that. And we'll be there for a really long time. I get in trouble with that actually a lot, like with my friends. Cause I'm always late. Cause I'm talking oh. to people about shit like that. Or like, I'm always behind because like I get caught up in something like that. And I think it's just, it's taught me the importance of like everyone's emotional health and just being there and listening and and being aware that, you know, everyone struggles. So it's also, it taught me so much empathy. And I think that that just like really made me like who I am. And I think that if without that, the lack of empathy would have probably made me like a a less of a good person for sure. Maybe not less of a good person, just not the open, super happy go lucky. Like I want to talk to everyone person that you are today. Maybe you would have ended up, not super closed off. Maybe you would have just been a tiny bit less inclined right, to have the interactions that you do. I think I also would have been more judgy. Like, I think definitely like my judgment would be through the roof. I'm already like a little judgy as it is. I think everyone times. is. Right. A lot of people say like they never judge. I'm like you do. Everyone does. If you look at somebody, mm-hmm. you see their outfit, they're not like you or they're wearing something you're not comfortable with or not used to. You're going to make an instant judgment. You might not express it out loud. Right. You're making a judgment. Right. And whether or not that's good or bad, like, that's still a judgment. You know, like, if for you to just be completely, like, monotone emotionally, that's not a thing. That's you're, not, you're, you're not a real person at that point. Yeah, mm. like, you're on drugs or something, bro. Like, that's not natural. Yeah, so mm-hmm. kind of in line with the memories that shaped you mm-hmm. from your childhood, your parents uh, did get divorced. Yes. And what age was that? Uh, I was probably... 
five years oh, old. Oh, so you were super young. Very young. And I know a lot of people, mm-hmm. since we're at the age where people are getting married, mm-hmm. I've seen some people already get divorced, and I'm 28, right. and I'm like, damn, that's crazy. Because mm-hmm. how are you in your 20s and you already got divorced? Right, what the fuck? But I mean, you know, things happen. People might realize, and we're mm-hmm. all young. I still am 28, and I'm just kind of now coming into my own as a person mm-hmm. and as a relationship partner. So if I was getting married at 22, myself at 22 versus 28 was insanely different. Mm-hmm. But that's that. kind of besides the point. Um, you said you were five and mm-hmm. a lot of people think it's not a big deal. If your parents get divorced that young, it's not going to do much, but oh. you were five. You still, I'm sure have very strong memories of having the big happy family, mm-hmm. everyone at home, and then all of a sudden your parents aren't living together and you're at mom's house, you're at dad's house, or whatever your situation was. Right. Even though you were so young, how do you feel like that maybe kind of led you to act a certain way or feel a certain way about relationships or have trouble getting to a certain level of depth mm-hmm. emotionally or with trust, with a relationship partner. Like the, like how do how did it kind of like negatively affect me and positively affect me? Either, like, just affect you way? in general. Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a good one. For a long time. I honestly, I, so I've been going to therapy for a really long time. I haven't gone uh, consistently for the past year, but uh, over the past three or four years of my life, I have been going overall very consistently. And I remember when I first started going, um, I would talk a lot about my parents. Like that was a big focal point. And I didn't really think much about it. Just kind of like it was natural and would come out. And I realized, and I thought that like, oh, the divorce really had no effect on how I felt about my relationships with people. Because I think that because I was so young, it didn't necessarily, it wasn't an outright innate thing. It was kind of like, I didn't see those developmental blockades until I was much older until I probably was like now so you recently. see them now now I see them for sure like I think so being in a being in a relationship I've only this is I mean I've like dated a lot I've like had multiple partners or whatever but I've only been in maybe two real relationships like I've sure been like a couple like three four month relationships but genuine relationships this is the second one that I've ever been in and the the first one was when I was like from 15 to 17 and then now and my from like now until hopefully forever like I'm super in love so I hope that works out but being in this relationship currently really taught me a lot about like and because like it's gotten to the point where like we're talking about marriage and like we're talking about like moving in together and like moving together like moving out of the state and you know, stuff like that. Not for a while, but, you know, eventually. And, like, we're making these big plans, these huge plans. And there's just kind of, like, this understanding amongst us that, like, okay, like, this is it for us. Like, I'm committing 100% to this relationship. And whatever I have to do to make it work, I'm, I'm going to do that. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But I'm going to put in 100%. And we both have had, we've had that conversation many, many times in different ways. And I think in those conversations, I've expressed, like, I'm not doing these things because of 
blank, blank. And I realized all of those things have had to do with the divorce that my parents had. Is it almost like you're putting up, putting up like a safety net, like a just in case kind of thing? Or what would you describe those things that you're kind of subconsciously doing as? So I told uh, my girlfriend currently, I was like, if we ever get married, like you're signing a prenup. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not, I don't want for like what, when we're married and when we, as long as we're together, what's mine is yours. And like, that's fine. And I'm not, I'm not rich. I'm not like, uh, I'm not like a trust fund baby by any means. Like I don't have any assets, you know, but you got this I, podcast, Mike, this computer, guitar. So it's cool, but I don't have anything to my name necessarily, but it's one of those things where like, that's a safety net because I don't want, my parents were really poor when they got a divorce, dirt fucking poor. When they were together, they were even like, they were crust, dirty ass poor once they got a divorce because they were, they like fought so hard. They fought so hard for, oh, I'm keeping this and I'm keeping that. And they fought for years about like custody and about like, item item things and like just all this shit and I was like I am not gonna go through that like that's that is super toxic for if especially if I have children not dealing with that I will I don't want to I'm not gonna have kids with somebody that I don't think I'm gonna spend the rest of my life with if I'm not 100% sure not doing it there will be no accidental children like the these children will be brought into a world where they're loved and this is a stable environment like, of course, they're going to go through shit. That's fine. I mean, like, that's normal. But it won't be because of our divorce. You know, like, and I mean, I mean I'm mean, i not going to stay sick through it because of the kids, you know. But I'm also not going to go into something not feeling 100% sure about it. And so me and my girlfriend, we actually had a big, big disagreement on that. Like, she's like, I'm not signing a fucking prenup. Like, what the fuck? Like, no, fuck you. And I was just like, oh, well, that's not going to work for me. Okay, cool. Eventually, I gave in. And I was like, fine, well, you don't have to do it. But that was definitely a big thing. And then also like being in a relationship in general, I think was just one of those things where I, I take very seriously because I don't want to ever feel stuck with somebody. I'm not just going to be with someone to be with somebody because I think it was more of like the relationship dynamics that my parents had after the divorce. My dad dated a lot and he was engaged many times. My mom didn't date and felt super lonely a lot. And she would go out and she eventually got remarried, but I only remembered like one other boyfriend up until before she got married to my stepdad, who was a man that was very involved with my life before they were even dating. He was like a part of like her friend circle and he was a really nice guy. And he was the guy that all the kids liked and he had like a cool house and he had a big trampoline. And so we were just like, Oh yeah, fucking go Craig. Like he's our favorite. And so the transition was much easier and it was way more warm and there was like a family there. So I had like the family unit with my mom, like he had a kid too. So I had a new sister and like we were raised together even before they started dating. Like I knew my stepsister as a friend before she became my sister and her and my younger, my younger sister were like buddies. And I mean, they're not really that close anymore, but you know, like we grew up as, we grew as a family versus friends and then as a family. And then with my dad, it was kind of like, my dad was like a bachelor and he kind of 
he didn't have a home that was geared towards kids and he didn't ever really let us be kids. He ne- we weren't allowed to make noise in the house. We weren't allowed to have friends over. We weren't allowed to go to other people's houses. And so eventually I moved out of his, of his house and went to my mom's because I was like, oh, this is the family dynamic I want. And, but then I wasn't, and then I went back and forth living with my mom, living with my dad, living with my dad, living with my mom. And then eventually moved in with my dad and then moved out and moved on my own. But I realized that in that time, the relationships that I would get into and the way I treated myself definitely had a lot to do with, I just think the way that my parents raised me individually. I was never, we were, we were raised to believe that the other parent was bad, like by both of our parents, like, oh, you know, and like that we were two different, we were on two different planets when we were with like our mom and our dad. So the instability of that, like that really affected me more than I would say the divorce itself. The divorce itself, they just fought, fought a lot. And like my dad wasn't really super hundred percent involved with our life for a long time because we wouldn't allow him to be. I was like, I don't like you. You made my mom feel bad. Fuck you. You know, I don't want to be around you. And so I think that kind of taught me to not like men very much. And sometimes I think like, oh, is that why I'm gay? Like, oh, what the hell? But it's it's definitely not. But it is a definite reason why I think I feel a little bit more hostility towards men. Yeah, because I know also with the going back to the to the um, homosexual thing, mm-hmm. uh, people will be like, oh, well, you're not just gay at birth. It's a product of your environment. And they'll be like, oh, well, your parents were divorced. Mm-hmm. So this and so this and so and you're like, okay, All well, that yeah, uh-huh. that's like a very common thing. Right. Um, this is uh, kind of unrelated to our direct, like, describe how you were affected with the divorce thing. But do you ever have to deal with that where people will come at you and they're like, oh, well, you're a product of your environment. So that's why you're gay. And you're like, okay, well, you're not me and you don't know how I felt growing up. So you can you can stop that. Or does that never happen? Um, no. Well, for me, I think that would happen. I think it really depends on, like, the people that you're around for those for specific comments along the lines of, like, why you're gay and, like, who taught you that and, like, who made you believe that this was okay. <clears throat> A lot of the people, I never heard stuff about, like, oh, well, you're gay because your parents are divorced or because you weren't loved or because of this or because of that. People have told me, like, because me and my dad, uh, I didn't like him growing up. I like him a lot more now. Like, we're very close. But uh, we had a a really toxic relationship growing up, and I was very vocal about, like, yeah, I don't really talk to my dad. This is not, like, we're not really all that cool and whatever this and whatever that. And... People would tell me, like, oh, well, like, you're gay because you have daddy issues and because, you know, like, what, like, were you, um, I was also, uh, molested as a kid, so by, like, a family member that was a little bit older than me, and people have told me that that's why I'm gay, like, oh, because of that, that, that's why you're gay, which is, which is kind of crazy because he's also gay, and so for that to be the case, like, people told us both like, oh, that's why y'all are gay because that happened between you two. And I was like, oh, excuse me, no fucking way. Um, But for me, a lot of the comments I've gotten over the course of like, I guess me being out and, you know, very open about my sexuality. 
that has been along the lines of like men coming up to me and being like, well, you're too pretty to be gay or you're too feminine or like you haven't had a real man. Like you shouldn't be gay. What a shame. Like what a shame to the male species that like you're gay. And I was always be like, okay, fuck you. And that was always like kind of the center of conversation. I never really got like called dyke or butch or like, fuck you. You know, you stupid want to be dude or anything like that. Because by the time that I was out, I wasn't like that anymore. I wasn't very tomboyish. I was very feminine and, you know, like had, I just had a completely different look about me and like passing, being passing and feminine, like, you know, there's struggles in that on its own, but it's usually not like that. And I really, I grew up in the church, but then right around the time that I stopped going to church, I was like very young, I was like eight. So that usually comes from like church oriented communities, like comments like that. Um, but I never really experienced those types of comments, just like other ones. Okay. Just wondering. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so another thing that you have kind of had a little bit of a struggle with up to the, how you said you dropped out of college mm-hmm. and ever since you dropped out of college, it's been like, Oh, I'm doing this job. And it's like, I don't know about that. I'm doing this job. It's like, mm, I don't know. And you've had a couple things that you've tried to do and maybe neither of those jobs that you've done has really been like the perfect fit Mm -hmm. but kind of go into a little bit about finding trying to find your direction and trying to find where you fit and trying to find aha the Mm -hmm. aha moment of like this is direction the direction that i'm trying to go kind of talk about how that's been difficult and how you're trying to still navigate that on a day-to-day basis Where the fuck do I start, yo? Like, that shit's a really... That has been a whole work of itself. Um, I think, going back, like, it all kind of relates to everything that we've been talking about, right? So, like, the divorce and, like, um, me not having, like, a very traditional upbringing and when it comes to, like, academics and, like, school or whatever. I... I experienced in my life because of the divorce and because of the schooling and and all of that shit, like a lot of instability, a lot of inconsistency. We never really lived in one place for a really long time. Um, I went back and forth to my parents every week. I would spend like random days with my dad, random days with my mom. We had a set schedule, but it was still, it felt very random. And when I would go with my dad, anything I like tried to do over at my mom's, who was my primary parent, um, would just go to shit. Like he, if we, we're going to soccer at my mom's like I, I was on soccer teams and like outside of school and I would go when I was with my mom but when I was with my dad I would like skip games and like I wouldn't go to practice and because he was like oh I'm not taking you or like oh you know like you don't have to if you don't want to we can just spend time together we don't really get to see each other very much and so it was this very I would say like emotionally manipulative environment from both my parents because my mom would like try to discipline me and then my dad would like try to give me all this freedom And then, or he wouldn't let me go do shit because of whatever reason. So it was like this very like tight grip on my activities. And then my dad was like, do what you want and live your best life. And my mom was like, you need to think about the future and you need to think about, you know, college and about like what you're going to do after college. Like, and because I had so much athletic promise growing up, my parents really wanted me to focus on that and like give everything into that. And because of that pressure from them, I think it made me, like, I did it. And because I was like, okay, I enjoy it. You know, this is all I know. But, you know, that was kind of 
that was the deal. And because of all that pressure, I kind of gave up things that I really wanted to do. Like, I think when I was younger, I really loved art. I loved art and I loved dancing. And like, I was a really good dancer growing up. And then, and I did like hip hop. And so I wasn't like ballet or like traditional, like girly shit. So it was a little bit harder for my parents to accept, I think, because it was like hood shit. It wasn't like, you know, like, oh, this could give me a career path. It's kind of like, you just got to grind on the streets until something happens. And so um, that was, there's a lot of inconsistency about like my dreams, what I wanted, because my parents always kind of wanted something else for me. And I would go along with it. Like, it wasn't all their fault. Like, I'd be like, okay, yeah, that sounds fine. Like, cause I don't want any confrontation. From yeah. Them. So now kind of being about to be 22, mm-hmm. you just got your EMT Yeah. and you've already started doing that a little bit. And mm-hmm. as you're doing these EMT shifts, do you ever have that feeling of like, oh, this is it? I'm gonna be, be I'm gonna be doing the EMT, and I'm uh, fine. I'm set. I'm gonna give it my all. No, I actually feel the opposite. I'm like, oh, like what the fuck? And it's one of those things where it's not like something. It, I went into it knowing I wasn't gonna be a hundred percent committed to it. Like as in, um, you know, as in. Like, oh, yeah, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. It's just something I've always wanted to do. And so I was like, if I don't do it, I'm going to regret it. So I decided to do it. But there have been a few things in my life, like, like right around the time that you and I met, almost, what, like, two years ago, um, I was, like, trying to become a photographer. And I was, like, trying to become, like, like some sort of, like, influencer and, like, making art and videos. And I was, like, trying to really, like, you know, do that creative aspect. And I kind of felt that, like, hundred that moment where I was like, oh, wow, like, this is possible. Like I could do this. I'm going to go hundred percent in. But then I realized like, I didn't think, I don't think I was ready for that at that point in my life. So I did that and doing the art and then like dropping out of school from doing athletics. And cause after I dropped out of school, I had no other plans. The plan was to go semi pro and like move internationally and like play for like uh, Germany or like, you know, like somewhere in South America or whatever, or like on some, minor league shit and like maybe try for a professional team you know that's even if I made the cut I never got past like college thinking about it and when I was in college I like realized I was like oh shit like I could choose a major oh my god what the fuck because that was like not even like my focus it was just soccer 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 and I drilled that into my brain like oh I'm just going for soccer like that was gonna be my major or something and so when I got there I was like okay like I'll be I'll, I'll be a doctor you know like that sounds good and so that's what I got my scholarship for. Like, like, like pre, like prerequisites that would have set me up to go to med school and or graduate school and then med school for pre, for pre-med anyway. But yeah, it was nothing I ever did like made me feel fulfilled. And I'm still trying to kind of figure that out and find that. But stuff like this, like the podcast taking photos it is actually something that makes me feel filled I just think I was doing it in this way that wasn't healthy like I was trying to monetize it and I was like trying to to really like throw myself into something that I had no idea what was going on and I felt all this immense pressure and I just ended up being unhappy with it and it made me feel like a piece of shit so I stopped doing it and I was like okay whatever but it keeps coming back it's like I think like stuff to do with video and film and photography like creative outlets, art in general of all types and fitness is really what makes me like, I need to figure out a way to incorporate that. And once I do that, once I figure out that way, I know that's going to be like my, oh shit moment. Like my like, oh fuck yeah, like this is it. And like business oriented stuff, you know, like if I can figure out a way to monetize those things, 
and like make myself money off of it, that's going to be like, okay, I'm set. Like, I don't need to worry about shit else. And I would not give a fuck about my auntie, this or that. I would be like, hey, bye, whatever. And the EMT stuff, that stuff is cool. I do like stuff like that. And I would feel incomplete if I wouldn't do it for a little while. So I'm going to give it a try and like see how it goes. And But it's it's one of those things like I'm going to give it a chance to do something for me. But if it doesn't, I'm not going to trip over it. But that's about it. Still trying to figure out the career stuff. It's not easy. And it's not one of those things where like some people are blessed with like, oh, I, I, I've known since I was five. Like I want to do this. Or I know now, being a young person, like, this is what I love and this is what I want to go for. But some people have no idea what they like and don't or have a hard time committing to something. And that's okay, too. As long, I feel like as long as you were talking about this earlier, you know, like, as long as you try things and are have slight moments of unhappiness because like, oh, maybe that didn't work out. Okay, I'll try something else. And besides or, or like in like the opposite of that would be like, I'm going to go to this job because it's safe, but I'm going to be consistently unhappy and I don't like it. Like, that's not, that's not what I would want to do. Some people are okay with doing that. That's cool. But I don't think people understand that there's options. Like this life is for us to try and figure that out. So. Yeah. Yeah. That pretty much answers the question Mm -hmm. and it kind of covers every, most of what we were trying to cover when it comes to who is Troy, what's Mm -hmm. she about where is she from? What's she doing now? What's sure. next? Uh, and then, uh, other than that, what in the next, like, I'm not even going to say five because that's too far. Right. If, because we also just started 2020. Yeah. It's like, so by the end end. of 2020, if you could just say one thing that could happen that would kind of set you up for the next few years that you'd be very happy and content with, what would that be? Um, I think it's a few things. I think... I said one, one so let's did? not get crazy. Okay, all right. No. <laughs> I said one. Shut the I'm fuck kidding, up. but you know what <laughs> I, I mean. Like, oh, God. Um, is- there's a few things, but I think the one thing that I... that The major one that would make me just be like, oh, fuck yeah. Like, I feel good about this would be to start a YouTube channel. I think that that would really set me up because I just realized I was like, there's just no job out there that I can think of that's going to do all the things that I want to do. And I think the type of person I am, I need to work for me. I need to have that creative outlet. And wanna, I want to collaborate with other people who are creative as well and like reach out to people, you know? So I think that. What about you, man? What do you think's one thing this this year by the end of it that if you get it done, you're going to be like, oh, fuck, yeah. Like, I'm on my way. Y'all don't even know I'm flying. I, this is a tough one because I just went independent as a trainer. That's a big deal on its own. That was sweet. I was already, but I'm, that was my top bowl for the year. Mm-hmm. I already did that. So, check. We did check. that. We're good. Shit. Starting um, up the year good. Yeah. So, in addition to... Going independent as a trainer. Well, I guess I am getting married also. That's beautiful. So very excited. But that's like in the works though. So like that doesn't count. Yeah, that doesn't I guess not. Right. Yeah, I'm hyped about that though. We're that's planning true. the wedding. The wedding planning is going great. It's smooth. Mm-hmm. Things are working out. I'm sure there's gonna be some hitch. 
some random thing on the wedding day or this or that, whatever comes up. This right. family member did this or this happened, whatever it's going to be. Up and touch someone's I don't know, man. Whatever. But with training, I want to become almost like an authority in the training world. Okay. Like I don't really piece. know. Yeah, I don't really know what that entails. Mm-hmm. But if people talk about training in Houston, then -hmm. it's like, oh, Matt Bailey in the Heights or wherever I end up Mm -hmm. is super great. Like, definitely go check him out. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to get where you want to be, he really knows what he's doing. Right. And he is great to work with. Uh, I want to build that reputation Mm -hmm. because in the service industry, because I think training is a service that you offer someone, your reputation is everything. So if I can develop the reputation... For being that guy, that would be awesome. And then not only that, but in addition to just being a trainer, I would love to just build an actual solid business around it. Right. And I'm going through this group mentorship right now that should help a lot with that. Mm-hmm. And as is far that as like the seminar that you're going, it's to? two separate things. Oh, it's okay. So okay. I'm just trying to learn as much as I can. Got mm-hmm. the seminar in Chicago next weekend. I'm doing the group mentorship for the next few months. Mm-hmm. And they're going to talk a lot about like business development and getting your correct products set up, your Mm -hmm. price points, profit margins, learning how to be serious and legit about it, which I'm a real, I'm wigging it and figuring it out kind of guy. So Mm -hmm. blend my approach, which I think is what really separates me from a lot of like the super hard nose, like super type A trainers. Right. It's a bit of a fresh approach, in my opinion, when people come to me. It's a bit more relaxed. It's organized, but they don't feel like I'm a drill sergeant, which a lot of trainers might come off as. That's not always fun. Yeah, exactly. So come and have a super fun workout, but it's organized. It makes sense. It's backed by science, and you're going to reach your goals, Mm -hmm. but it's more fun. Um, But build the business around that. So start developing sources of online revenue. Mm -hmm. Start being able to like work a little bit better hours. Maybe not always go in at 5 a.m. and leave at 9 p.m. And just kind of develop like a little bit better life. So when I do have kids, it's like, oh, cool. I can actually like not go into the gym that much. And I can just do my online programming Mm -hmm. and online consulting or meal plans or whatever it is. and. I can do that when the kids are at school or I can do that when they're asleep Mm. and I don't have to be away from them. Uh, So start just building that. If I can build, build the uh, legitimate business model behind Matt Bailey training or Mm. whatever I ended up calling it, that would probably be my number one by the end of this year. So that'd be sweet. I think that's really possible. I think that's, that's going to be something that, um, and also, it's like, it's you. Like, that's that's a business that you can take care of on your own. That's not something you need to rely on employees or permits or anything like that. Like, you just need to go outside with some elastic bands and some weights and you'll be okay. You know, like, there's, you could do this a hundred different ways. Yeah, I definitely you know? can. But like I was saying, being able to separate myself from it. Because I still love in-person training. It's mm-hmm. amazing. But I don't want to be like 45 doing one-on-one training. I just, I I got like 15 year old kids. (laughs) I want to go to their basketball game. It's like, Oh, I can't because I have a session, you know, Mm -hmm. that's not ideal. Right. So be able to just set it up to where it just accommodates my life 
with my wife and eventual kids a lot mm-hmm. better. I think that's really awesome because I think a lot of people are really nervous to talk about those things. Like what you just said, like setting up your life so that you can have like a really bright future with like your children and then like your wife and all of that. And, you know, in order for you to set that up, like you're going to have to work really, really fucking hard in the beginning. And like, you've already been working really hard the past couple of years. Doing my best, man. And And with training, this is really the first thing that I've ever done where whatever I put down on paper and said, I'm going to do, I've actually done. Mm-hmm. so i know it's gonna happen that's awesome i just need to put in the steps and we'll go through the steps and put in the work mm-hmm. um it's not even on like some i'm dreaming about this i'm like this is actually realistic so that's super encouraging right and fiance is killing it she's super supportive mm-hmm. so that's awesome there you go uh yeah very solid <laughs> very go. solid and then in addition to that i mean might have my own gym at some point. I'm not really sure if I want to do that. Who you knows? Kind of going back and forth with it. Yeah, it's not like my ultimate dream or anything, but it would mm-hmm. be super cool. I know if I did have a spot, I'd run that thing very well. Yes. If yes. I had, I mean, even myself, but if I had a solid partner too, mm-hmm. that'd be mm-hmm. sweet. Who knows? Right. But it's a lot of possibilities. That's awesome. Just need to go towards them. That's amazing. I think that that, that's going to be really fruitful for you. And you've already like, you have like the basic knowledge. It's not like you just got your cert and you're trying to become independent. Like you've been at this for a while and you know. And then in addition to like just the training, mm-hmm. one of the things that kind of is encouraging for me because I'm not really the biggest X's and O's trainer. There's so many trainers that are the real technical, like you're this muscle, this weird shit that I don't mm-hmm. know about connects to this <laughs> and this is why you hurt. And breathe into a balloon and all these strange techniques that I have no clue about. But I'm mm-hmm. like, hey, man, I don't know what those strange techniques are. But uh, chances are your client's not going to want to do that anyways. Right. Um, so a lot of this super high level training stuff that so many people know. Mm-hmm. Um, even if I don't know it, my personality and being a people person and just being great to work with will kind of help me get through those situations. Oh, most definitely. And at the same time, just try to learn as much as I can in the process. Mm-hmm. And maybe I don't have like the kinesiology degree or the CSCS, which is like a tra- a, certi- a very difficult certification to get. What is that? I, it's a certified strength and conditioning specialist. It's just like a tough cert. Okay. Whereas, like, if you get one of those, you really know your shit, pretty much. Okay. Um, and it's not always everything just to get a bunch of certs. You know, you can mm-hmm. have a million letters behind your name, still awkward, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. That's a very common thing. So, I got the awkwardness out of the way. I'm a pretty normal, easy to work with guy. I can learn the rest. Mm-hmm. So, that's something that I'd much rather have the people skills and learn the rest versus knowing everything and having to develop people's skills. That's a lot harder. That's going to be a, so. a huge, a huge um, attribute to like who you are. And you're also extremely extroverted just as a natural human, you know, like minus all the career positive effects, you know, that that's going to have on you. Um, so the fact that like, you know how to network and you know how to talk to people and like you're curious, like that's going to create, I think a lot of trust between you and the people and like, establish like this incredible bond between you and your career but like i feel like you're gonna just treat it good like you're gonna treat your career well and you're gonna treat your people well and i'm really excited to see 
you develop in that. And that's the plan. That's that's gonna be dope, man. We ready. Yeah, we're ready. Twenty twenty, we coming. Let's go. Let's go. But um, yeah, just to give me other questions or like, do you? That was it. We covered it it all, man. That was good. That was good. I realized like halfway through that shit, I was like talking really fast. I was like, and I was like, oh god, I tried to cut you off at some point. I was like, yo, it's okay. Um, anyway, segue segue (laughs) into this. Ah, Don't answer that. (laughs) Yeah, but anyway, everybody, I hope that we all have a good day and. You guys can always leave uh, a message here on Anchor or hit us up on Instagram. Um, we're both on here, and I'll put it in the description. So just let us know. You know, have a good day. Live your best life. And wish kiss your parents if you have them on the cheek, please. Don't do that mouth shit. <laughs> that mouth shit's gross, right? It's a little weird. It's a little weird. <laughs> Bye-bye.